Hey, it's Chuck from Above the Basement, Boston Music, and Conversation. Like so many of the Boston musicians we've talked to, Avi Salloway from the band Billy Wilder is a very thoughtful guy who has learned that as an activist, you need to understand how to be an ally. He'll talk about what that means in just a bit. Avi just released a new EP called What You Looking For, and we were fortunate enough to hear a few tunes from it. He has played music around the globe, from working with Israeli and Palestinian youth to develop creative, nonviolent tools for social change with a nonprofit organization, Heartbeat, to his travels to Standing Rock to unite with a native led nonviolent movement to resist the construction of the Dakota Access Pipeline. Avi shows up. Not only does he show up, but he does so with some pretty incredible musicians, notably Tuareg guitar master Bambino and other renowned artists like Jack Johnson, Pete Seeger, Celia Woodsmith of Delamay, and a slew of other Boston musicians who make this city a great place for the arts. His belief in the power of music to unite and face challenges is incredible, and if we could all have his kind of optimism, the world would be a better place. So, here is our conversation with Avi Soloway, recorded in my apartment in Boston, Massachusetts. Say something? Hey, what's up? Here we are, Chuck's pad. There you go. All the guitars. Uh, just two. Just two? I've got my, my Taylor, and that's my, that's my uh, Gibson. So... Right on, man. We've been we've been recording already for six minutes. Where are you coming from? I uh, just came from Cambridge. Is that where you live, Cambridge? Yeah. I talked to our our next episode that we're publishing right before yours. You're going to be episode 180, I believe. Oh, sweet. Is uh, Juliana Hatfield? Oh, nice. Who's uh, who lives in Cambridge? Awesome. Yeah. How's she, she holding up? She's freaking great. She's been doing these uh, live streaming from Q Division. Oh, sweet. Um, she brings her dog in and sits there and, and plays and gets some dope sound she's so interesting and she's uh really creative just a lot of art stuff other than music she did a police cover album and then she did an olivia newton john cover album awesome. which was amazing some diversity well you know she played she sang let's get physical you know that's not let's yeah, get course, physical yeah. and from i mean i don't know how old you are but when i was a kid when the, that video came out it was like this cheesy 80s video of these guys in what make you know in in leotards and stuff working out and it was very 80s very cheesy but she totally punked it out like she totally made it her own uh, even though it sounds exactly this even though it's like she didn't change how the arrangements the, the arrangements uh, just the, the the tone of the instruments and stuff and uh, it's interesting because it really kind of tells you how the songs that Olivia Newton-John did were pretty complicated, well-written songs that you kind of lose it because, you know, for reputation or whatever it is. I don't know what, I don't know, but, um, but she rocks them. Anyway, she's great. She lives in, I don't know where in Cambridge she lives, but she's, she's uh, amazing. Cool, yeah. I've never run into her, but familiar. Uh, I'm try, I've been trying to think about when I met you, and I think I know when it was, but I'm not sure if it was you or your brother from another mother. Who you, I'm sure you know I'm talking about. I could have a guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Will Daly. Of course, who, yeah. Who, when I saw you, I thought you were him, because I barely knew him, and I hadn't met you yet. And, and I maybe think, you said, hey, Will Daly, to me? No, but, right. no, but I saw you. I've gotten I, that plenty of times. And I wasn't sure. I even thought, I'm like, they, they've got to be brothers. Yeah, we, we get that a lot, and I've been friends for a long time, so... Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, I kind of feel like he is like a brother. But well, he's a great guy. Yeah, so. he's a great dude. He's always been so kind and good hang. Um, yeah, we have so many overlapping worlds that we 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 float in this brotherly realm. Right, and, you do. Yeah, and you're both busy as hell. You're both so, always doing. Yeah, something. I always got tons of things going on. I did a recording session with Dave Brophy. Yeah, his his like right hand man, yeah. you know, drummer producer. And it was such a kick, like, and he was kind of getting such a kick out of it, because, like, here we were in the studio, and we were recording on another friend's project, and I said, I took a picture of the two of us and sent it to Will, and he's like, oh, my God, like, do I exist anymore? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's the Matrix. Yeah. There's a glitch in the Matrix. You know, there's a, there's a few things I want to talk about, and part, you know, I know that you have the new album out, and I know that, um, uh, you know, you've been busy with a lot of personal uh missions um over the last several years as a matter of fact which i which i want to get into billy wilder where what's that name from yeah so the name is like a a dedication to my grandmother whose name was billy um and she was a prolific artist activist musician educator author um and had a very kind of wild progressive spirit yeah um and very influential for me as a young kid growing up and just kind of in seeing being her presence and was she a musician or she was a musician um professionally she was an author um and a painter and an educator yeah um but she played a bunch of instruments and i actually have one of her guitars um old martin classical guitar um from the 60s but yeah she just was this super like i don't know impactful person for me and thinking about naming this band and the ethos of this band which are kind of woven into this intersection of you know activism rock and roll kind of this fusion of different disparate styles and experiences i've had it just seemed like a a great way to pay homage to her in connection to my roots and that's where Billy and the Wilder came together. Oh, that's great. And how long has Billy Wilder been in in business now? Yeah, so we started in 2011. Okay. Um, pretty organically. I just moved back from living in Jerusalem and uh, had been working on this project, bringing together Palestinian-Israeli youth musicians. Yeah, I want to talk about that too. Yeah, um, which was very transformative for me, and yeah. I just started to write a lot of songs and had kind of gone on this trip to the Middle East, stepping away from playing full time as like I'm focusing on other these other projects. And then all of a sudden I was just super inspired by the work I'd been doing, the experiences I had. And, you know, I, I wasn't employed back here when I moved back here. I like, yeah. was getting some offers to play some festivals and concert series. And I was like, all right, let me put these songs together and kind of just, you know, naturally this band grew out um, out of kind of necessity and opportunity. Yeah. Called up some of my dear friends and musicians like in my community that had been collaborating. In the first iteration was Adam Moss from the Brother Brothers. I don't know if you know that The group. Brother Brothers. I always use that as a good example for an awesome band name. Right? Amazing. The Brother so, Brothers. I wish the I brother, of it. Twin Brothers, dude. <laughs> yeah. Handsome Jewish twin brothers, the Brother Brothers. <laughs> So he was playing fiddle in the first iteration of the band and um, a couple of other friends who have since moved out of town. Uh, Paul Chase on bass, a great bass player who uh-huh. plays with a lot of people. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty, there was like a, just a very organic feel. It wasn't like this is the vision and mission of this band like from day one. It was like, all right, let's play some great music and yeah. see what happens here. And then we put out an album our first album, 2013. Meanwhile, I had become friends with this amazing Tuareg guitar player, uh, Bambino from Agadez Nigeris, guitar hero from the desert. Yeah. Um, and had been learning his music and was super inspired by his whole story. And so literally we put out this album in May of 2013. And like the next month I got a call from him. Do you want to come on the road with us? Um, first tour managing and playing some in the set, but kind of multitasking. Yeah, yeah. And it was like opening up for Robert Plant was the tour and, you know, playing Newport Folk Fest, all these kind of pillars of 
yeah. musical opportunities. And I was like, oh my God, I just put out this album that I'm psyched about. But I'm getting this call to go tour like with this amazing artist from another world, from the Sahara Desert. And I yeah. decided to just go for the tour, Good which piggybacked and kept dominoing into like the next tour and the next. And all of a sudden I was playing over 100 concerts all around the world with this guy. Uh, in the band and getting deep into this Tuareg tradition. And how did you meet? How did you meet him? I met him kind of through the grapevine. I was first. I was in Tel Aviv. Yeah. And um, I got turned on to him by this amazing Yemeni Israeli singer called Ravid Kalani. We were hanging out, and he was showing me clips of music. I was showing him stuff, and he showed me this amazing clip of Bambino playing in Agadez, which was this like amazing moment after he'd been living in exile for years was welcome back to Agadez for this like the Tuaregs were welcome back after the second rebellion the guitar was like had been banned as the symbol of the rebellion and here this moment in front of this ancient mosque there's this like Jimi Hendrix guy of revolution playing for his Tuareg people going nuts and I was just like floored by what i was like this is the most powerful musical thing i've ever seen the music is amazing i fell in love with uh Tenariwen. yeah so one of those guys is his is one of his cousins so he's deep in that fold of the tuareg it's it's unbelievable because um i mean a lot of these guys were in battle right i mean they were, oh yeah they were they were Ibrahim, the, the one of the main dudes from Tenariwen, he was like a guerrilla yeah soldier defending his land and yeah. his people and you know, it's a very tragic story of colonization and sure. oppression that these people of the Tuaregs have faced. And but there's just the kind of resiliency and how spiritual and music has kind of been this shield for them and this source of strength. It's something I just really connected with. Uh, and I moved back to the states. I met the filmmaker who had filmed that scene, which was part of a documentary called Agadez. The music and the rebellion, all about Bombino's story. Who happened to live in Cambridge? His name's Ron Wyman. He's a great guy, great filmmaker, and uh, we became friends. I think I went to the screening of the documentary and met him, and he had kind of took a liking to me. He said, "You got to meet Bombino. You guys would hit it off." So he kind of made the first introduction, and we ended up jamming late into the night after one of his concerts and becoming kind of just fast spiritual friends and musical friends and so then they would come tour here in the states and you know stay with me and laura my partner and we'd hang out staying up late jamming and it's just just such a very natural connection that we had um so when i got that call i was thinking like well one am i ready to step back from billy wilder that i've been like putting this energy into am i ready to like jump onto this caravan like you know which was like a, a literal caravan literally like, like, like and they were you know, touring 150 days a year and all like all the continents and you know and bambino doesn't at the time barely spoke any english i yeah. spoke a little bit of tiny bit of french a little bit of arabic and i was like all right well am i ready to join on this caravan and what is that like how does that change my relationship to bombino who i really like idolized as this you know tower of a person and the music and we start working with somebody things can change um but i i didn't think about it too long i was like hell yeah i'm going on this tour which led into this three-year tour all around the world playing you know carnegie hall to coachella to (laughs) you know, Australia to going to Niger with him all over Europe. Um, and I don't regret anything. It's, I can't imagine you know, it infused so much of who I am and like kind of led me on my own musical journey to the music I'm making now and exactly. to the world perspective I have and experience. And well, the music is so unique. The, the rhythm and mm. the, the re- repetitive, repetitive the licks that they have. It's very hypnotic. But it's very, it's not like any other it's not music. not a Western it, guitar style. No. But at the same time, it's it's so connected to, I mean, thinking about how the evolution of blues music or rock music, it's all coming from the di- African diaspora, sure. from where these guys have been for millennia. 
Um, so there is that real DNA connection to, you know, if you were to put on like Johnny, John Lee Hooker or something after hearing a Tenarioan song or a Bombino song, you could, you could definitely, I mean, I just immediately feel those connections or R.L. Burnside, that Hill Country, really droney blues yeah yeah there's a drone in there too yeah and that's a lot of the the style on the guitar the lead guitar is like mainly a two finger thumb and index finger so the thumb is such it's such like it's almost another instrument keeping this groove going um and it's like you know and then the counterpoint is the melody and sometimes chords but melody on top of that with your index finger just just such a beautiful sound and you know, getting to be in his presence, just playing this music all the time was just seeping into my own playing. And yeah, it is. I can totally hear it. I'm sure you can. Yeah. I, it's like you can't really take it out after it's been in. Like no. it's just such a vocal, like lyrical way of playing a guitar. And there's like this I, the the song that um, it's called Emidiwan Matanam, hmm. uh, and he did it with featuring Nels Klein from. Um, from Wilco, who's the, mm-hmm. who's the guitarist from Wilco. And that's when I heard that, it, it, it totally blew me away. It also feels like they're all just playing, it almost sounds like they're all playing on homemade instruments. They're all very twangy, but that makes that makes it part of the sound too. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're playing, you know, through these amazing yeah. you know, instruments or anything like that. They sound, they sound like they've had them in their hands for years. And that, years. that sound comes from this one string, almost kind of like a violin that well predates the guitar that a lot of those melodies and that inflection is coming from playing this one string instrument and then that's kind of been translated into the electric guitar yeah bambino was super influenced by like Jimi hendrix and you know he heard like little tapes people had burned or <laughs> made tapes and mark knopfler he was a big influence he just which is kind of random but he also is a fingerstyle guitar yeah. player, um, you know, doesn't ever use a pick. Yeah, and then you think, take those, that one string violin sound, fusing it with like that overdrive of the Jimi Hendrix, and it gets this this whole other depth of the guitar. You see the guy, there's a video, Waterslide Alchemy. You see the guy, who came, went oh, up there Oberon. With, oh, so, Oberon, rather? So that's uh, like a dear friend, Mohammed Araki, oh, okay. who's a C- Sudanese keyboard player. Oh, okay, he, that was amazing, too. Um, oh, yeah, and, you know, it's funny, the whole way this web of friendships and music connect is like, I went to go see my friend's Rubble Bucket outside the Paradise yeah. years ago. Yeah. Muhammad was outside. I'd never met him or knew who he was, but you know, he came up to me. He's like, "You're Avi from Bambino. Ah. I've seen you in the videos. I've been meeting like to to find you oh, here." Wow. And it, and then he was just this bright light, just jumping out of the night, coming to me. And we just, <laughs> we, he's like, "We gotta jam. We gotta hang," which we did. Ended up doing like maybe a few weeks later, and just had a real cool connection and would continue to jam and hang out and and then one tour bambino we were here and i was like oh muhammad you got to come over and hang you know we had you know indian food in my house and ended up jamming in my living room on the floor and uh i think muhammad was playing my casio keyboard but he immediately connected with bambino and then went on to tour with you know he joined the band for several u.s tours playing with him and yeah and that that was just cool how that the whole grapevine of you know friendship and music and community kind of play its way out when it's you... it's absolutely awesome and i you know and, and the last thing i wanted to say about that was it's not not only the music but the the language in it is very rhythmic i'm, I'm not sure what language they're using maybe you it's tamashek tamashek yeah which is the indigenous yeah. language of... and it's so that language in itself is is very rhythmic it's a lot of yeah that. and the way that they deliver it like, yeah yeah uh, i just i love it and and yeah it's beautiful that with like there was another um video of you who's the who's the female bass player you have with you krista krista Sparani. so she's there with the big uh shaker eh? this big shaker and I, I love music that brings in 
different rhythmic elements yeah. yeah instead of this the same all same all I she's just i mean and she's a badass she, she, she spent, a, like a badass, spent yeah. like tons of time in senegal actually studying percussion actually plays with uh lamine toire here who's a group salam it's a great senegalese percussion band um so she really has like a a background in traditional west african percussion yeah um which was amazing and very natural kind of symbiotic connection with the band with the music i was making and writing for her to be in there and then zamar our drummer's from east africa from yeah. nairobi yeah he knows the language he and it's definitely different than west african music but he's man that guy can his incredible chops and sensibility about african music and in the polyrhythms and how it all fits together and then you have the uh, violinist who's yeah I can't, you can't forget him can't rob forget. flax who's like a virtuoso man of many coats. He can play <laughs> all the instruments. In this band, he plays violin. He's like a sound designer with his pedals and the, the sounds he's able to achieve. And then he plays synthesizers, too. It's very serendipitous. Yeah, that, I feel like that, the I whole mean, how, story. How could you meet yeah. someone from, where is where is, where is the drummer from? South Nairobi. Of, Nairobi, and then from Senegal. I don't meet the many same, people from Senegal and Nairobi. Well, she's ever. not from Senegal. She was born but, in Hawaii, yeah, um, but as you know, fell in love with Senegalese music yeah. and um, and ended up in Boston. And yep, she was at MIT, and yeah, that's where she met Lamy and teaches percussion there. Mm-hmm. Who is an amazing Senegalese percussionist and part of her ancestry. You know, she's you know African American, wanted to explore the you know her heritage and her music so she did these amazing trips to senegal and serendipity works i think when you really allow yourself to show up and be present and sure. like be genuine and see see where it leads you you know like little did i know that even before i went to israel and palestine like you know i had met this guy who was working for a nonprofit who was bringing together the Palestinian and Israeli musicians while he was doing a tour in the U.S. And we became friends. And I had been wanting to do that kind of conflict resolution music-based work. And like he was just like, oh, come on over. And I like literally just bought a ticket with no plan of like what it exactly was I was going to do. I had a mission of like meeting people, learning about the conflict, getting on the ground, seeing where I could lend my skills to this situation. And learn and then all of a sudden i ended up working with this organization for like four or five years and developing tours for this whole group and then meeting the yemeni singer who was like show me bambino and then when i'm floored by that who would know like a few months later i'd be hanging out with that guy from niger and then jamming with him and you know meeting mohammed and then introducing mohammed to him and it's all just kind of yeah, the magic of the universe. It's showing up. Yeah, it is showing up. The Israeli-Palestinian thing is is fascinating, but also the uh, you were at uh, Standing Rock, too. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Yeah, so 2016, uh, you know, it's just tragic what was going on. It was. That was right in the, that was right it, in the very beginning, right? Yeah, and it was in uh, Cannonball, North Dakota, and... You know, I'd always felt this responsibility and guilt as a as an immigrant to this country, you know, through my ancestry. I, I'm not indigenous here. The flight, am I. You know, to to learn more and really expand my understanding of, of what indigenous uh, struggles are. And then here Standing Rock was this, was in like right in our face, this like, vicious oppression threatening the water to 17 million people and over indigenous land and burial grounds and under their main water source they wanted to put the pipeline i was just like i gotta i gotta show up there i i need to be there and um it was an incredible experience and how do you just show up there um (laughs) it's a good question so i i that's also important of like learning how to show up, you know, because just being a white dude showing up on a reservation where they're actively resisting and have been resisting genocide for 500 years, you can't just show up and be like, oh, I, I know what to do. Let me. Yeah. Right, exactly. That's so the last I had thing they found want to. a delegation of activists 
that I was connected with through the organization 350.org, which Bill McKibben started this amazing organization that was super influential in resisting the Keystone Pipeline and really kind of changing the game of environmental activism. But what was key to his whole thing it was like really involving indigenous people in that in the climate and energy and environmental resistance. And so I was able to join a small delegation from Vermont, from 350 Vermont, and go go to Standing Rock. So we we went as a group, and it was just a huge education of, you know, one indigenous life indigenous perspective and the leadership it's completely different than a western approach to um, organizing and leadership it's very horizontal leadership like when i got there it would be hard to tell like who was really in charge because they really try to spread the power and the decision making across age across gender which is amazing so when we would have these meetings in this huge dome before we'd go into days of action, we would have these meetings. It was clearly led by an elder or, you know, somebody who was organizing for that day, an indigenous person. But then they would literally go around this whole uh, dome circling to see if people had something that they needed to share that was, you know, related to what we were doing. And they would go around and they would take their time to really assess like what ideas were in this room like yeah. what you know who had something to offer you know there's the whole psychology and um, strategy was bringing in this concept of step up step back that means like knowing when to step up and offer something and when to really step back and especially as a gringo going to this indigenous led resistance i was much more listening than like telling or speaking and and that was a huge learning as an activist what it means to be an ally you know which is super critical now as we think about all these different civil rights environmental rights struggles that we're experiencing health of like how do we actually support the people that are being affected versus like telling them how we can support them and prayer was like the fundamental method of resisting it wasn't about like violence and, and or like anger or you know fear it was very much on this prayer centered so literally we were like protecting we were not protesting and it was just amazing to be in that space and joining them that's fascinating and good for you for doing that what yeah, how does something like that affect your songwriting is, um, that, is that a tangible thing that you can say this is this changed the way I or did it change the way you write? Yeah, in a, it was not in a forced way of like songwriting in a way like I write the songs, but the songs also kind of write me, if that makes any sense. Yeah, in an abstract it. way of like, I don't set out to like, I'm going to write a song about Standing Rock or I'm going to write a song about like the indigenous struggles. It's more just really processing experience, you know, and letting, finding a process for me to like let that come through in an artistic way. So I've found different ways, um, you know, creatively to do that. And it's often in a more, I guess, roundabout way than like I'm a topical songwriter writing about that. And I'll give you a concrete example of how that experience manifested in a song. I, you know, it started writing this music to this song, which became known as She the Earth, which is like one of the last songs on our last album. And it, I don't know, it just through, I think, stream of consciousness had come up with this storyline of a young indigenous girl crying out to her mom as like literally this apocalypse is happening to her land and her people. The chorus is... Um, you need the guitar to, to really get it. But, but it's basically, she cried her song to the call of the wild, prayed for her kin, the spirit of the child. Mama, mama, what have we done? The waters are rising, there's nowhere to run. And this little girl seeing it all happening to her, her people and her land, and like, just, you know. So I, I don't know, that song just kind of flowed through me in a, in a way of like, reflecting about what had happened where I was and 
the experience. And then, you know, this song evolves into this instrumental, which is a separate track. It's the last track. It's called Nowhere to Run, but it's built on the kind of the DNA of the, so- the song She the Earth, and it, it kind of goes on this almost apocalyptic, like, building crescendo of this built on an ostinato that's repeating and repeating and this chaos and craziness builds in the music and then literally while we were recording this it was like a very impassioned take in the studio and like I think we had done one or two more before that and we finished the song and Dan Fox who was engineering like had ran in from the control room and he's like guys guys that was that was amazing but I gotta tell you like Pro Tools like just died the computer just shut off like towards the like you know not in 80% into this crescendo and literally like it couldn't have been more metaphorical of like this we're playing the destruction of the earth through the music and it's building and it's getting crazy with the violins and the distorted guitar and then it we ended up keeping that take of just boom it ends and it just all you hear is this uh, violin really melancholy loop that had been is a fundamental part of the track it's violin and guitar and it's built on this loop and it just fades to that it's, like, it's just a very cosmic one you, this is what you're doing and this is how the computer literally is dying as like we're playing the destruction So let's talk about your new album, What You're Looking For. Yeah, it's an EP. It's, but it's an EP. Well, you've been putting it out single by single. We've been rolling it out singles. And like is that one. because of this, just our life situation now with COVID? Or is that something you would have done maybe with... You know? I, we, I mean, we're kind of responding to an ever-changing landscape of how people listen to music. I see you have all these nice vinyls here. And I, too, at my house have vinyls. But the majority of people aren't listening to full albums anymore it's very much a streaming spotify single oriented world and and i'm not judging how that's evolved but i'm trying to meet you know where um culture is going and so we thought rolling out one song at a time would be a cool way to do that and then drop you know the the ep which has all of them at the end why is it called what you're looking for yeah, so that's the title track. Um, I mean, other than the bit being the title track. Right, yeah. but um, it's kind of the essence of what the EP is about, is like asking that question to myself and the listeners of, you know, the way that we inhabit this world now bears many questions of like, what the fuck is going on? So one way I think I think... For us to make any difference and change our own lives and change other people's lives to ask that question what are we looking for sometimes we are confused about what we are looking for and the lyric in that song is can't find what you ain't really looking for so it's this quest of you're trying to fill a well that's like has or there's a lyric find, fill a tank that has huge holes in it and it's just you, you can't find it's keep you can't fill that up it just keeps going out and so kind of Digging into like, what are we looking for? What are, you know, our fundamental truths and values? And how can that lead us towards lives that we want to be living rather than just being, you know, victims of societal um, pressure? And that's leading us to places that are sustaining a very dark status quo that I personally do not want to live in. Um, And I think we have the power to break out of that, but it takes kind of, you know, 
liberating ourselves and asking those questions and and coming together at Brookline Rising and standing up when we don't see something that's right and not just shutting something down but thinking about how do we change this what are our paths forward you know so what you're looking for is kind of exploring that like what are we looking for how are we gonna how are we gonna get it what do you think what do you think is gonna come out of this past year Well, already amazing things are transcending through this time. Um, At the same time, we're seeing like incredible disparity of this pandemic has exposed, you know, the grave inequalities and injustices that exist in our country, but all around the world, just thinking on a health standpoint of who's been most affected. We're seeing this wave of extreme police brutality amidst this pandemic you know we're seeing refugees fleeing because of climate crisis everywhere or from hurricanes in the you know central america which is creating you know chaos at the border which means people are struggling and i think this pandemic has really exacerbated how clear that is um which kind of puts the pressure on us to rise to the moment, I think. You know, I'm amazed by the resiliency of people and persevering or, you know, what the healthcare workers have done, frontline workers. But I think it's going to be a period of grieving. You know, I think we're all hurting um, very much. You know, it's, I just wrote a song over the weekend where just processing the pain that's been going on not just with for myself but witnessing uh, so i think it's going to be a mix of like self-care and grieving and taking care of each other and then also rising to this moment of how did we get into this pandemic what what path are we on here mm-hmm. and and critical alliance building to to overpower these evil systems that are driving us towards this way of living that I don't think any of us really desire to maintain or stay in, unless you're maybe one percenter and like everything's okay, pandemic or not. But yeah, so I, I think I don't even think we understand the impact of this yet. But yeah. I'm I'm hoping um, that we're able to rise to the moment, and I that's where I find my role as a musician and a, and an activist to because I think people real we need a huge energy shift right this has been a dark dark time it's hard to be motivated to create change and you know to be the change if we're depressed and we're um can't get out of bed so first off i think we need a huge energy shift and i think music and art and can really play an integral role in that um and that's kind of fueling my own creative mission and um and then yeah i think you know allowing ourselves to to feel the pain and work through it and um i think it's going to be amazing once live music does open up more officially than us playing at a garden at a rally you know i feel like appreciation for not just the music but like the musicians for the community and that reciprocal relationship is going to be really special and and that will be for hopefully socially across the board yeah i think we're still in a a, we're still stunned (laughs) and that manifests when you get together socially with people people don't know how to interact sometimes anymore yeah in a physical space they're like don't know what to say they're awkward moving around but like we'll work through that you know and um i'm i'm psyched you know i'm 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 feeling a a wave of good energy coming in and trying to project that through i think there's going to be a lot there's going to be a lot of celebration yes i mean I, I definitely think there needs to be a time to mourn and to be a time to like reflect on that kind of thing i think once people are in a show at a show in the audience with other people unmasked unmasked at some, at some is, point. is even a huge part of that too i mean people Seeing it's going to be like going to a smiles, for the first time like, oh my god it's yeah, gonna it's, it's gonna be amazing it's yeah. gonna really be amazing and uh, I can't wait for that to happen. Yeah, are you gonna, go on, are you gonna tour this album? You're gonna are you planning on? on yeah, that? we we already have a handful of shows this summer, like some festivals and co- outdoor things. But um, 
Yeah, I don't. Our, this is just kind of the next beginning. Right? We already have, you know, over this weekend, I was at a writing retreat, just me and my dog, and wrote three or four new songs. How do you, how do you, how was your dog songs? <laughs> she she wrote the songs. I was just like smoking <laughs> joints in the backyard. Um, so it's really the dog is the genius behind yeah, the Wilder, dude. Like, yeah, it's a it's a powerful friendship and collaboration. Dogs, man, they can do yeah. everything. I, I know. I I've seen great pictures of like because I often write music outside, and she likes to hang out outside. So you know her like sitting next to my like notebook or something and guitar and like you could speculate like she is she writing those songs <laughs> like and you know way she is like if i wasn't out there with her like hanging out in her presence like she's part of that experience you should yeah. put her on the album cover i right? yeah i will you should be she definitely be she livens up our social media too so people <laughs> seem to like her her name's luya as in hallelujah oh luya I like that. So yeah, we. I'm hoping to. Actually, I'm going to Los Angeles next week to record some new music. Oh wow! Um, with some old, dear old friends that I've grew up playing music with, who are amazing producers and engineers and musicians. So I'll be working on some new stuff um, starting next week. Well, dude, this has been really interesting. I, I mean, I'm really impressed with what you've done, and the music is fantastic. I just really love the new album. Dude, thanks and, so much. Uh, congratulations. Hey, nice, I really appreciate done. it, and thanks for spreading spreading music, spreading stories. This is so important to be able to transform. As we, you know, need to be able to share art and be able to have these cool conversations. And thank, I really appreciate it. I'd be happy to play a love, tune or two. Yeah, love to. Love, love to have you play. And, yeah. um, you know, we'll have to get your brother Avi on. Yes, my brother. <laughs> we, we always joked about starting a band, me, him, and I don't know if you know Kimon Kirk, who's played with Session Americana. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bass player. Yeah, we, we, curly, we had Ryan. Curly, dark-haired guy, too, and we thought about The Brother, it. Brother, Brothers? Yeah, the Brother, Brother, Brothers. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I'll play, how about I'll play... One song off the new EP, uh, Santiago. And then maybe I'll play one or two that I just wrote this weekend. All right, so here's Santiago. Sunday in Santiago and the beat is real loud We take it to our bones heard high up in the clouds We find ourselves in a dark and hollowed bar There's a priest in the corner Drums of five string guitar to the ramblers and seekers and curious eyes, desperate to be seen, revealed from their disguise. See through 
I looked him in the eye And I asked him to oblige Played him this song He sang along to my surprise La da 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 La da La da da La da La da 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 sadness we distance our own kind there's a story in our bones that can't go with no we're more like our enemies than we believed before la da 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 la da la da 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 la da la da 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 la da la da 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 Here's a brand new song written this weekend, tentatively called We Are The Ones.
Our story ain't over, it's just begun Out of the darkness, step into the sun Step into the sun, step into the sun I would like to thank Avi for the conversation. You can listen and purchase his music at billywilder.com. That's Wilder with a Y. Go to AboveTheBasement.com. You can sign up for our newsletter, listen and subscribe to our podcast, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and look at all the nice pictures we post on Instagram. We are everywhere. From all of us at Above the Basement, thank you for listening. Tell your friends. And remember, Boston music, like its history. History.